0: I know in Bible school uh, we've referred to a lot because of its um, uh, its setting uh, uh, concerning the time of the end, but um, I'm going to use it tonight for another emphasis. Daniel 12 and 4, let's read um, what the instructions were to Daniel and um, the the end of, of the prophecies that he recorded. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. That's the aspect there that I want to emphasize. Knowledge shall be increased. Um, I read somewhere that um, all the scientists that have ever been alive, over half of them are alive right now. Uh, that's the extent that knowledge has increased. But I, <coughs> I, I, I want to uh, go maybe in a different realm there, and you'll you'll see the, you'll see the uh, method to my madness here as we go along. But um, knowledge increasing. Praise God. You can be seated. I know uh, military personnel here have traveled uh, extensively. And in your travels, your uh, knowledge of uh, geography, topography, uh, flora and fauna, as it goes, uh, increased. You saw a lot of things that were different from back home and experienced languages, experienced food, if you were able to go on leave, and just a lot of things. That's kind of where I'm going uh, to start with here, um, and uh, hopefully not bore you on uh, a travel log. I thought you had parent-teacher conferences. Ah, what a whiz. Wow. But uh, I'm, I'm just going to point out a few things uh, from our trip. And again, I hope I I'm not, won't bore you on this. The technology on the ship was um, amazing. Wi-Fi being, being available, I'm not sure how they did that. Um, satellites, Skylink, um, whatever. But uh, you had to pay. <laughs> you had to pay for it. And um, so that was a, a drawback. But they had this medallion. Instead of a key card, you know, they had this medallion, and it was odd, I think I shared with this with you before, it was odd to step up to a cash register to buy a latte or something, and they call you by name without you even saying what your name is as it shows up on there. And then if you get within six feet of your cabin door, it unlocks. It unlocks by itself, the, the light turns green, and uh, you go in. Pretty amazing technology there. And then uh, on your phone, uh, we, we took way more sunset pictures than we needed to. It was just, you know, just standing out there looking, the sun sinking into the water, the steam that came up. No, it didn't. Uh, just unique. And uh, you know how we laugh about young people sitting at a table in the restaurant sending each other texts? Well, the chronologically advantaged do that too. <laughs> it, was, it was funny to see that. Um, cu- old couple just sitting there and just, just going through their, their, uh, their cell phone stuff. The wildlife, uh, the reptiles, crocodiles in Colombia? Oh, wow. They swam all the way across, huh? Uh, I was surprised to see one on the on the shore as we were coming into the locks in Panama. Um, sea turtles by the score, my goodness! Uh, we in in the past we'd only seen like one or two, but this time we lost count of how many there were. It's just incredible. Uh, the fish, one fish with bright blue fins sticking out. The fish. Regular color body, but the fins sticking out were bright blue. Uh, really odd. Flying fish. My wife prayed to see flying fish, and we saw a lot of them. But here's a question for you. In the water, fish are called schools. In the air, are they called flocks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, um, while we're in port, um, you know, the, the charter boats come and go, and uh, the fishing boats are there. And so they were, they were flaying their catch and throwing the uh, guts and the backbones and so on to the pelicans. And uh, so I went, huh, what kind of fish do they have? And I am watching, and uh, four-foot uh, backbones, you know, that they would lower into the water. And it finally occurred to me, that's a tuna. I saw the tail real sharp, um, you know, V there, uh, those are tunas. So pretty good. And then those birds, um, the pelicans, uh, the swallow-tailed kites, the frigate birds, soaring and fishing miles from shore. I mean, you can't even see shore. And uh, here they are out there following the ship and and diving and so on. Um, Music, uh, there was an opera singer who sang, uh, they have a, uh, it's called the plaza, They're, the three decks are open and it's real decorative and so on and they have musical presentations, they have uh, just a number of different things but the opera singer was there, first time for I've ever heard one in person and uh, she easily went to four octaves or more, very easily, just reaching way up there. And it's uh, pretty incredible. And then a, a six-string base, yeah, four-string, five-string. I never saw a six-string before, but um, there it was. Then the engineering uh, of the of the Panama Canal. Uh, the bridges the bridges were quite high and very extensive, as far as the uh, the land bodies that they were connecting, and that was amazing uh, to me. There's three of them. And uh, on the Atlantic side, and then in the middle, and then on the Pacific side, it's just, uh, wow, pretty incredible. And the two sets of locks, there's the older one, the original from early 1900s, and then the newer one for larger ships. And we understand they're building an even third set of locks for larger ships, but uh, just amazing. You know (coughs) how um, uh, each country requires a pilot to come aboard to be familiar with their you know their navigational waters and so on the pilot can say move those containers off the bow cuz i can't see and in the time of video and uh, all of this kind of stuff he can say move those containers so there's a little railroad that goes back and forth connecting the shores connecting the oceans and uh, those containers that he wanted taken off because he can say so were on those little trains going back and forth. And um, I counted uh, one train going by, I counted 104 containers on it and thought, wow, bossy little pilot. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, the locks themselves are, are just amazing uh, that uh, the the locks are incredible, but the man-made lake that connects the whole thing. Um, the islands that are there were actually hilltops at one time, and the, the commentator, the man giving the lecture as we're going through, uh, who grew up there, his, his dad was military, he said those stumps sticking up there are actually 40 feet tall, uh, trees that uh, man-made lake covered and uh, amazing. Then uh, the the locks themselves, you uh, come in from the Atlantic sea level, go into the lock, and uh, the front one is is closed. And then the back one slides in behind you. And they pump water from these three, um, they call them lakes. They're They're huge ponds. They pump water from them into the lock to raise the ship. And they open the front lock and move into the next level. And they close behind uh, the ship and then pump water again into that lock and raise the ship about mm, 10 feet or so. And, um, and, and, and then the process you know, continues into the third until finally you're at the level of the lake and you sail across the lake. And you get on the other side, and then it's reversed. You go into the lock. They shut both ends and pump water out and lower you down. And open the front door or lock and you go in and they pump water out of that one he dropped it was there was a ship ahead of us and it seemed odd to be looking down on its decks because it was lower in front of us but just an incredible feat of engineering and um, how how amazing all of that was well we did run to and fro and our knowledge increased Because we paid the price and we spent the time. Two very important factors. Now, here's the method to my madness we think we know a lot about the Lord. And we do. We do. We know He's a healer, we know He's a deliverer, we know He's Savior. We know he's majestic, he's powerful, he reigns. All the things that we sing about, all the things that we know, that we know that we know because he's manifested himself in that manner to us. But do we know everything? Nope. If we pay the price and we take the time, we're going to know even more. That's what I want to share with you tonight. Praise God. Okay. Solomon has a lot to say about knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Let's go to Proverbs 2. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and look at 1 through 5 because he has a lot to say about it. We know Solomon, uh, the wisest man, um, 3,000 Proverbs, uh, 1,005 songs. He's pretty prolific as an author. And, um, and unfortunately, we get to Ecclesiastes, and he, uh, he says all is vanity. But look what he says in Proverbs 2, uh, 1 through 5, 1 through 6, actually. My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So the... the Uh, The vistas are are open, the horizon is way out there as far as what God is extending to us and saying, this is what's possible, this is what you can have, and um, that crying after and lifting up our voice for seeking and searching is going to have its benefits. You drop down to verse 10 in Proverbs 2. And here's the benefit. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. So uh, the, the person who said ignorance is bliss um, understood what he was saying on one level. You know, the more or the less you know, the less you have to worry about. Uh, but in the things of the Lord, the more you know, the the more benefit you receive. And uh, that's, that's what I want to bring out. Now, we contrast spiritual knowledge with, uh, with natural knowledge. And uh, Paul said, not many wise men after the flesh are chosen, mainly because they don't think they need anything. They think they've accomplished it all themselves. They're... They're all self-sufficient. But uh, those of us who recognize we don't have all the answers, we don't have everything we need, and we look to the Lord, then uh, that's where the benefit comes from. Because Paul said it's possible to be ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Now that's a sad merry-go-round to be on. And uh, we want to avoid that. But higher education can be a great asset. I'm not not talking against higher education. It can be a great asset to be used for the things of God. The more you learn, the more you can apply to um, uh, the work of the Lord. Now, contrast that statement with what the Pharisees did and their misuse of knowledge. The Bible talks about the Herodians, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. They all lined up and came and made their questions uh, before the Lord. But the Lord turned his attention particularly to the Pharisees and pronounced eight woes against them. It's a Pretty sad situation. They say and they do not. They do their works for show. They're not trying to uh, be altruistic and... And, and uh, just for the sake of doing good, they want to show off. They shut up the kingdom for others, and they don't enter in themselves. Ooh, that's a, a pretty bad situation. They go to great effort to make a convert, and then that convert becomes two times a child of hell. Now, this is the Lord saying this. You can understand why there was some bad feelings that they had uh, against the Lord, but he's telling the truth. You guys just mess things up. You know a lot and you apply it in the wrong way. You know, basically is what he's saying. You quibble about swearing and making an oath and what was binding or what's right to do and you tithe the tiniest amount, but you leave out what's important, judgment, mercy, and faith. You're clean on the outside, but inside, you're a mess. You appear as whited sepulchers, you know, monuments that look impressive, but within dead men's bones, uncleanness. What the Lord was referring to was their hypocrisy and their iniquity. It looked good on the outside, but inside it was, it was not good. They, they uh, give lip service to honoring the prophets and say, we wouldn't have treated the prophets the way our fathers did. But the Lord told them, no, you would do the same thing. And and we know it wasn't long until they were crucifying the Lord. So they, they said a lot, but they they didn't do a lot. And uh, the Lord told a parable of the Pharisee and the publican to demonstrate um, the difference of... Uh, self-righteousness like the Pharisees and what a sinner would do. The Pharisee rolled out his resume and wanted to uh, impress the Lord. I fast twice a week. I give uh, tithes and alms and I, I do all of this stuff. And, and I'm so glad I'm not like that publican. But the publican wouldn't even raise his eyes towards heaven. He beat his chest and he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord said he went home more justified than the Pharisee. Now, the Lord was not endorsing the lifestyle of the publican, not not saying his lifestyle is okay. What he was approving was his, his repentance, his, um, you know, asking God for mercy and not being self-righteous like the Pharisee because the Lord condemned that. And what what they should have used their knowledge of the law for was to encourage and, and bring others into um, the, the, the truth of believing in God and trusting the Lord and walking with him and understanding and knowing uh, the things of God and not restricting it, not keeping people from receiving it like what they did. Now, Saul of Tarsus knew the 613 mitzvah or commandments based on the law of Moses. It was all scripturally based. You look it up and it cites scripture after scripture after scripture. But here's what they did. They just made it almost impossible to fulfill. Well, now the scripture tells us, and Paul's very strong in this. That's why in Galatians he uses... Uh, freedom seven times and liberty three or four times because he's trying to emphasize no no you're free in the lord you you walk in liberty not according to the ceremonies and the laws and all of those things he was wanting them to understand but paul knew those commandments and uh the sabbath day prohibitions that, that's why they were so upset when jesus would heal on the sabbath he challenged them, if you had an ox fall in the ditch, you'd get him out. That's work. And you think you're justified in that. And how about if I heal, you know, and, and he gave instance after instance. But here's some of the crazy things that they believed uh, about on the Sabbath. It was unlawful to move furniture on the Sabbath. There was an exception, however, in moving a ladder. You could move a ladder on the Sabbath, but only move it four steps. Otherwise, you'd be working. Unlawful to wear any jewelry or ornaments on the Sabbath, because this constituted carrying a burden. Must have had some pretty big, oh my. Not permitted to wear false teeth on the Sabbath. That must have been strange in the synagogue. Oh, you were allowed to eat radishes on the Sabbath, but you were warned against dipping them in salt because if you left them in the salt too long, you would pickle them. And that constitutes work. You can't work. And the Pharisees actually had discussions as to how long it took a pickle to, uh, or, or a radish to become pickled. They actually batted that one around. See, th- this is what the, uh, the foolishness that the Lord was pronouncing woes upon them for because they majored on minors instead of what could really make a difference in people's lives. It was okay to spit on a rock, but don't spit in mud because that makes mortar and mortar is work. <laughs> a Sabbath day's journey. Acts 1, uh, 12, the disciples made a Sabbath day's journey from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. And uh, I wonder if Paul maintained that Sabbath day's journey on his missionary journeys. Oh, we've got to stop here. Well, actually, he was in synagogues all the time on the Sabbath, wasn't he, trying to convince his fellow uh, Hebrews that Jesus is the Christ. So when he was converted, he studied uh, under Gamaliel, a master teacher of the law, who uh, arrested the, uh, the apostles. They imprisoned them. The angel came, opened the door. And uh, they're standing in the temple teaching and preaching. They apprehended him again, and they brought him forth. And Gamaliel said, um, put them aside. I need to say something to you. And uh, they dismissed the the disciples for a few minutes, and Gamaliel said, Now we know, if this is of man, it will come to nothing. But if it's of God, you're not going to change it. You're not going to stop it. It's not going to end. You're not going to overthrow it. How come Saul of Tarsus didn't hear that? Why didn't he listen to it? I mean, Gamaliel was the master teacher. uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus spent time at his feet. And thank God he said it true. You're not going to overthrow it. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Strongholds are going to be pulled down. Praise God. We know how victorious the church is in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. But Saul of Tarsus went charging straight ahead into his own own idea. Now, prior knowledge can impede receiving new knowledge. that's, That's why there's got to be a hunger uh, within us for I need you God. I think about uh, Psalm twenty seven, the psalmist is saying, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said, Your face, Lord, will I seek. That that's gotta be our, our, our lifestyle. It just it it, it em, gotta envelop us. Where well, Lord I need more from you. I need You know, not just just things, not just blessings, but you, Lord. Amen. And his power uh, being displayed. Saul of Tarsus thought he was doing the work of God until that bright light blinded him. And the voice spoke to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? Boy, some things were really getting shook up in that guy's brain. I mean he is wondering. I can't see, but I hear this voice. Who's talking to me? Who's calling out to me? I am Jesus. Now his brain's really getting scrambled. Cuz he knows the I ams. He knows what spoke from the bush in Exodus 3:14. He knows I am that I am is the almighty God. And yet, Jesus is declaring, I am. He didn't reject it. His response was, what wilt thou have me to do? Repentance in an instant. Praise God. Thank the Lord for what God was doing in Saul's life at at that point. So the supernatural event that he was in right there on the Damascus Road is what opened up a whole new life for him. Amen. Started him on a journey of supernatural events that would just build again and again on what he received on the Damascus Road. And Ananias coming to him and saying, Brother Saul, wow. Baptizing him in the name of Jesus Christ. Praying him through to the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. That's all we hear about Ananias. And oh my goodness, don't you know Saul of Tarsus prayed blessing after blessing on Ananias. Thank you, Lord, for sending him. Thank you, Lord, for giving him the courage. Thank you, Lord, for letting him have the boldness to approach me. Ah. Add to your faith. See, this is This is what the Lord is offering us. This is how he wants us to move into more understanding and and a greater realm of what God has for us. Peter gives the list in the second letter, first chapter. He says, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. Go ahead and keep adding. Praise God. And and I don't think it's necessarily uh, one, you know, linear. I I, I think it's a, a cluster like the, the, like the fruit of the spirit is. And, uh, and and it just it just accumulates. It just continues to increase as we uh, seek the Lord and desire Him. And um, uh, you look at verse three, of Second Peter one. Go ahead and put that up, brother. If you would, please. This addition is possible through the knowledge of him that hath called us. Praise God. And that calling is to move us into the realm of all of this knowledge and possibility and in increase and leave behind what is going to hold us back and not fulfill or satisfy at all. Moreover, these spiritual qualities that become added to our faith make us abound and not be barren or unfruitful. In verse 8, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It just increases. It just continues. It just goes on and on. Now, we look back at the Lord calling the disciples, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They had no idea that it could be thousands. 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 in, in Acts chapter 5. And then just on and on. The whole city coming together to hear. Praise God. The Lord was opening up great potential and possibilities to them. He told, you no, know, Nathaniel was told by Philip, we found him, we've found him. They were they were searching, they were looking, they were expecting. We found him. And uh, Philip uh, told that to Nathanael. Nathanael replied, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know, that was his bias. But the Lord told him, thou shalt see greater things. And oh my, how it must have continued on. Now back to Philip. Remember his question or his request? Show us the Father, and that suffices us, or we'll be satisfied. The Lord's answer? Have I been so long time with you, Philip? You've not known me? Known me. Oh, my. That's where he should have been, focusing. Not on some other, you know, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Oh, my goodness. Did that open up possibilities and potential for them to know even more than they would would understand or uh, be able to follow through. You've not known me. Lord, help us. I don't want that said to any of us. I want it to be said, come on, I've, I've, I've got more to show you. You're doing good, keep going, and, uh, and to follow on, to know him even more. See, the disciples knew Scripture. They knew promises, promises on, of the Messiah. They knew the prophecies uh, that would be there. But, oh my, they would know even more as to follow on, to know him. Okay, so here's, here's Paul now. Paul's the writer of almost half the New Testament. If we, we say he wrote Hebrews, then that is half the New Testament. Here he is, telling him that I may know him. But before that, he says, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew. You know, he's listing all his credentials, just like that Pharisee. But he says, I count it but dung. Just waste. Just refuge. Just trash. Throw it away that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Boy, he zeroed in on what was supernatural, what was amazing there. Now, he must have heard about the resurrection when he was Saul of Tarsus. He must have heard of all kinds of things concerning Jesus Christ and and the work of healing and deliverance and power uh, that that was there. But when he heard about the resurrection, he probably opposed it like some others, Acts 4 and 2. Now, this is amazing. <laughs> Acts 4 and 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Why were they grieved? Why weren't they celebrating? Why weren't they inquiring and desiring to know more? Because it's, it, it threatened them. It, 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 it didn't fit with their prior knowledge. It's kind of upsetting the apple cart, in a way, for them. The miracles, the signs, the wonders did not convince them, and it certainly didn't convince Saul of Tarsus. He consented to the stoning of Stephen to death. Not just punishment, but execution. The suffering that Stephen went through, but yet the prayer that he prayed, lay not this sin to their charge. My goodness, how could you ignore that? How could he uh, just push it aside? Saul of Tarsus had to recognize how real belief in this man, Jesus Christ, really was. But did that stop him? Nope. He went charging in. Now, he focused on the power of the resurrection. Think about that for a moment the power of the resurrection, the change that would come there, the life. That would be celebrated. The power that would be displayed. The victory over death and and the grave. The celebration that would would take place. The hope. The salvation. On and on. That uh, uh, could could be attached or in, in, enclosed in this idea of the resurrection, and uh, how powerful that must have been. That's why the apostles gave witness about the resurrection after their prayer meeting in Acts chapter four. And they requested boldness, you know, to, to witness. Acts 4 and 33. Great power. They gave, uh, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. That, that's how the Lord answered. Great power, great grace. And it was the resurrection flag that they were waving. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He was crucified. He was in the grave for three days, but he's alive. Praise God. Paul, uh, on on Mars Hill in Athens, meeting these philosophers, uh, these Greeks, um, he spoke of the resurrection of the dead. The reaction was some people mocked. They just outright laughed. They scoffed. They scorned. Others said, "We want to hear some more," and uh, hopefully they did, but um, more than likely it didn't. It didn't change them. But thank God it does bring a change, a powerful change. Praise God! I like the way uh, before King Agrippa, um, you know, they 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 understood Paul talked about Jesus being alive and uh, the resurrection, and, and all of these aspects. And they question him about it. And Paul asks them, the king especially, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? <laughs> I'm, I find that, uh, how would you say it, ironic, um, You know, challenging. Um, the king has power. The king has incredible power to make edicts and, and uh, commands and, and so on, and more than likely take life. Not give it, but take it. And now here's Paul challenging him. You think it's incredible that God raises the dead? <laughs> Praise God. And I'm thankful that we can experience the power of the resurrection as well. Oh, my, the healing, the life, the deliverance, the provision, the divine presence. All of this and more for us and for everybody else that we can come in contact with and be able to share. Now, that verse goes on, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What's the rest of it? Fellowship of his suffering. Now, that's not as attractive. and um, Saul of Tarsus breathing out threatenings and slaughter on the road to Damascus to arrest believers and uh, apprehend them. But his conversion and the message that the Lord told Ananias. Now, I don't think Ananias told him necessarily what the Lord said. The Lord told him, Saul of Tarsus is a chosen vessel unto me. He's going to bear my name before Israel, the Gentiles, and kings. And I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I don't know if Ananias gave that part of the message. But that's what the Lord told Ananias that he was going to do with Saul of Tarsus so suffering was a part of it and, and, and Paul as we know him did not shrink back from it he, he, he didn't say wait a minute wait a minute I like the power of the resurrection part but this ah, forget this that wasn't that wasn't his attitude you can look we won't take the time to look But uh, make a note, in 2 Corinthians, three passages, Paul lists some of the sufferings. Chapter 4, 8 through 12, chapter 6, 4 through 10, chapter 11, 23 through 28. So those extensive passages, he's not just a word or two in one verse. It's pretty pretty involved the lists are pretty long of the things that he endured the things that he suffered the things that he had to face for the name of jesus christ didn't stop him didn't turn him around the hope and help of the lord was what was powerful to him he referred to persecutions And afflictions in 2 Timothy 2 and 11. Let's go ahead and go to 2 Timothy 2 and 11. Um, This is not the list um, that we mentioned in 2 Corinthians. He's simply saying, There were persecutions and afflictions, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and remember that time in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he's praying, Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. Lord, I want it removed. You know, he prayed three times. The Lord answered him, my grace is sufficient for you. And it was through that understanding, through that application of grace through that measure of grace that the Lord extended to him, that he was able then to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. He couldn't say that until the grace was applied. He couldn't just... What's the saying? Whistle in the dark? That's not the saying. You know what I mean. He couldn't just feel like it's a picnic. And... uh, No problem. No, he he prayed three times. Lord, let this thorn be taken from me. But because of that grace, because of the deliverance of the Lord, he was able to keep going. Now, uh, let's take time to look at 2 Timothy 3 and 12. You want to live godly in Christ Jesus? Guess what? Persecution. Because you're not of this world. You're hearing a different voice. You're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and this world is caught up in wickedness. And um, you want to go a different way, living godly in Christ Jesus. Praise God. But we know the rewards. We know the blessings there. Okay, let's look at 2 Timothy 2 and 12. Because here's the hope. And here's the help. If we suffer, we shall also reign. Praise God. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We don't want to do that. Either verbally or in action. No, we're going to... We're going to continue. But uh, I thought about Philippians 4.19. And Philippians 4.19 has some uh, pretty amazing phrases and statements. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, and we're, we're thrilled with that promise. But one little four-letter word we tend to overlook. Need. It only comes when you have a need. We don't like needs. I don't like being sick. I don't like having too much month left after the money is gone. Don't like this and that and the other needs, but that's the only way his glory and his riches are going to supply for you. The only way. So, we hold to the promise of Philippians 4.19, and through Christ Jesus, we're going to see some incredible things. Marvelous things, miraculous things, as he manifests himself to us. Amen. Hard to experience, difficult to cope with, but oh my, how great and how powerful he is to supply it. You remember your, your key verses? Hold on to them. Amen. Amen. I, I thought about 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, you know, God is able. To make all grace abound, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I can? Yep. Because that's his promise to you. Amen. Now, oh my, I need to speed up here. Okay, so knowledge, knowledge. Um, Ephesians chapter three. This uh, this idea of knowing the love of God. Ephesians three seventeen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love why love why not doctrine why not truth why not the word why did he focus on love hmm verse um, 18 you may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height? Interesting measurements there. All those dimensions that he wants us to know. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at what has opened up to us there. Being rooted and grounded, being permanent, being stable, being solid, being established. Not wishy-washy. And Paul goes on in Ephesians, blown about by every wind of doctrine. No, no, no. Understand what God has for you. The breadth, the length, the depth, the height. That means you're immersed. That means his love is all around you. That means you're, you're not going to be able to step out of it. it it's, it's there. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. That's what he wants us to know about his love. He says it's beyond knowing. You're never going to know all about it. But go ahead and keep going. Praise God. And the result of knowing the love of Christ is you're going to be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Wow. And uh, 1 Corinthians 13, um, the description of love, uh, that, that love is manifest in the Lord. And he makes it possible for us uh, to have those qualities also. Interesting that it, uh, when it talks about love, it talks about what it is not. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude this is the nlt rendering of first corinthians 13 four five six it does not demand its own way it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged see the lord manifested this kind of love and he makes it possible through his spirit within us, that we can live that way too. It does not rejoice about injustice. Love never gives up, it never loses faith. Then it goes on a little bit on what it, what it is, not, not what it isn't. Love is patient and kind. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Always hopeful and endures through every circumstance never fails is how King James says it thank God I'm thankful for that kind of love and that's the love we're able to step into just a little bit more um, in in uh, talking about the love of the truth and second Thessalonians 2 says you've got to have it in order to be saved love of the truth Also grab a hold of the truth of love. Because the Lord said, because iniquity shall abound, what's going to wax cold? Love. How come? Why did he focus on love again? Because love never fails. That's what's going to keep you. That's what's going to help you keep going. Praise God. So, we speak the truth in love. Paul said that in Ephesians as well. And um, the motivation of love is what constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us, 2 Corinthians five fourteen. 14. Other, other version says controls us or urges us. We've got we've to keep going with that love. Romans 5 and 5. Emphasizing love here now because... That's a vast ocean that the Lord invites us to dive into. Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Praise God. So we benefit when we receive the Holy Ghost by knowing even more about the love of God. How can the God who spoke the universe into existence come and dwell within us? It's incredible. And then that love is shed abroad as we let others know you can have the Spirit of God. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? <laughs> and our testimony and our witness goes on because that's what the Holy Ghost is given to us for, is to be a witness. Okay, here's the last few verses. 2 Peter 3, uh, 18 Here's the emphasis that Peter makes at the end of his second letter. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Both are, are powerful possibilities and it's it's up to us to step into that okay here's the last one Colossians 1 and 9 Paul uh, we looked at Paul's prayers uh, one time in Ephesians and Colossians and and uh, how he prayed what he focused on what he desired for those churches and uh, and he's mentioning it uh, here For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wow, that opens up great potential. Tremendous doors, open doors. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all blessing, or all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Knowledge shall increase in the end times. We're seeing it happen. Let it happen in the church. Let it happen in every heart and every believer knowledge of our God he'll never leave you nor forsake you nothing can defeat his blood his power will continually be displayed on your behalf praise God let's stand I invite you to come and pray lots of room up here (laughs) amen Thank the Lord, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Um, a, a topic like this uh, just uh, you understand, it, it just scratches the surface, and I, I'm just trying to help us to understand there, there's so much. You, you've heard me say it again and again. there's always more, always more, always more. There really is. And um, I, I'm not claiming. Um, to have achieved um, you know, extensive knowledge, I'm I'm hungering for more. Oh God, show me more! Now I know I'm inviting trouble. <laughs> I'm inviting needs. But if that's the only way I'm going to experience more from God, you know, God supplying all my need according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus, then so be it. Because I one more. Oh Lord Jesus Christ Oh my e lascia loro cuore alla chiendese e indurro bo indurro bo e la lavandese e tende la ah la lavandese e te la racumba e che la racumba taisce la racumba